Welcome to the Peace Corner podcast. This series is brought together by GPAC, UNOY, and CSPPS. Each episode will bring to you a different peace builder and their personal story. In this season, we dive into the topic of inclusivity. How do we meaningfully bring this concept beyond tokenism? How can we truly involve women and youth in peace building? Young women and men still suffer from stereotypes, myths, and policy panics that harm their agency and affect realizing their full potential for peace. The evidence is clear. Development is not sustainable if it is not fair and inclusive. Our efforts to build and sustain peace need to be democratized to include the communities most affected. Young people are our best chance in succeeding them. In order to break the status quo and make the world a better place, we need gender equality. The fantastic phrase, women's rights are human rights, must become the spine of all our political work. Welcome to the Peace Corner podcast. Today we're joined by community psychologist and researcher in security policy and migration in Bolivia, Teo Ronken. Welcome, Teo. Thank you for inviting me for this interview. We'll dive today into um, political movements and inclusion in Bolivia. And my first question for you, Teo, is what motivated you to become a peace builder? Yes, that's a big word, uh, peace builder. I was um, starting maybe as a, an activist in Holland in, uh, during my studies. And I also um, practiced jiu-jitsu which is a Japanese martial art. And I think both these things, they uh, took me towards uh, trying to find ways to to, uh, resolve situations, difficult situations in a non-violent way. So in the end, I um, moved towards active non-violence, which uh, was uh, what I have always felt more comfortable with. <clears throat> for myself, but also I believe that it's a very good uh, stance in life and way to to um, meet challenging uh, issues. Um, in, in Holland, while studying, I also uh, started to give uh, some classes, uh, Dutch classes, to uh, young boys who lived in my neighborhood. They were from were Turkish uh, boys, so they... Um, they were immigrants, and uh, helping them to learn Dutch helped me a lot to understand that the world is a lot bigger than only uh, Holland, you know, the Netherlands. So um, I think that's where uh, a combined interest in um, other parts of the world came into picture. At that time, there was a lot of uh, things going on in Latin America, you know, the Sandinist Revolution in Nicaragua of 1979 uh, was upcoming. And um, I always was very much interested in these ways to overthrow a government. But I, uh, I never felt like uh, this is the way we should do it, you know. So, yeah, the peace building part, I think, is uh, very much about local work how you deal with uh, difficult issues with the people around you. And, um, well, I moved uh, to Nicaragua in 1985, and that's the kind of work I started doing. 
And I saw, I, I was really, the first time I went to Nicaragua was for uh, coffee picking, you know, and then we were dropped in the middle of nowhere. This was my idea, you know. <laughs> in, um, in, a, in a war struck context, and people were so um, healthy and uh, trying to make the best out of life in a difficult situation. That's where I got very much motivated to, uh, to deepen these kind of motivations, uh, to, to, to become more familiar with those kind of uh, uh, ways to, to deal with uh, life. So I think that's at the the roots of my becoming um, a psychology uh, a, a community psychologist as well as a peace builder. And you lived in Bolivia for the past couple of years, and you've been following the protests there as well. What do you think are the main motivations behind the recent protests in Bolivia? Yeah, I lived in Bolivia for 26 years. Uh, I've just come back to Holland this year, and uh, well. The motivations of these last uh, protests uh, were very much connected to the elections. Um, Evo Morales, who had become a president in 2006, he was elected at the end of 2005. Um, he wanted to run for a fourth period, and people were, didn't, were just against uh, the president running for a fourth period. It was against the constitution. There had been a referendum. The referendum people, most of the people had said, no, uh, we want a different leader. You know, it's not uh, about, uh, this was not about the way of um, uh, Bolivia uh, construing its future, because there's a lot of good things you can say about that, what has happened in, in these last uh, 14 years under Morales government, but um, the issue of inclusiveness uh, was becoming very tough. You know, when we talk about um, um, being included or excluded, uh, in Bolivia people always think about indigenous issues, and yes, there has been progress on that uh, side of society. But at the same time, there has been other ways of exclusion being built up and uh, also among indigenous groups. And it's not only the whole indigenous issue uh, which was important. So in these elections, I think inclusiveness was a very big issue because people felt excluded. You know, the, the political party which was in power, Morales' party, uh, had not a very good way of being inclusive towards uh, groups of the population who thought different in a different way. So it was always, well, if you are against us, you are very right-wing, you must be right-wing or you must be uh, imperialist. And, you know, people don't like to be um, called in that way when their protest is uh, is fair. So it was in these elections, it was the issue of being neglected, a voice. You touched on the subject of inclusivity um, in the Bolivian elections. Under the Morales government, there was a lot of media publicity around the growing and the use of coca leaves. 
Would you be able to talk about this in a perspective um, of inclusivity of populations in Bolivia? Yes, that's a good question because the coca leaf in Bolivia is has been in in these last years a ways a way to include people, and this is related to the fact that people who used to chew coca are very often indigenous people and uh, and taxi drivers and you know the the people who are not earning a lot of money and the middle class had some sort of uh, stance towards uh, chewing coca they didn't like it too much you know and this this changed uh, on both sides you know uh, the when Evo Morales was elected, uh, it was because he was indigenous that people felt proud. But it was also because of the habits like chewing coca that um, it was being felt as a new liberty. You know, you can chew coca, which we have been doing for centuries, and we have a right to do so. So this, uh, it was very important that the Morales government took this to international fora uh, and uh, raised the issue. Coca is not the same as cocaine. Now, uh, as it comes to drug policy, the Morales government was not very uh, much into changing things. You know, they had this stigma uh, internationally and so they had to just, they they felt they just had to um, go, continue to do the same thing that other governments had done or that other governments in the world do, you know, eradicate coca in order to tackle the drug issue, which is not a good solution. It's the worst, one of the worst solutions, I would say, because nothing uh, is being resolved. And people uh, are getting killed because of eradicating coca and this had this did change somewhat in the morales government because he um, eradicated coca in a different way you know he involved people but he didn't do this in ev every region of the country there were regions of the country where he had not very much political influence uh, where uh, enforced eradication continued to uh, happen and where people uh, got killed. And these, uh, these uh, deaths, they were neglected. They were ignored for years during the, the Morales government. And that's what the news didn't uh, tell you about. So it's, it's a very complicated issue. It is important, an, an important issue for inclus inclusiveness. Um, but uh, it's not um, so easy, such as to say, well, uh, with accepting coca chewing, the whole drug policy has changed. No, that's not how it has happened. And I fear that with this new change uh, that Bolivia is going through, um, we will take some steps back again. <clears throat> and that would not be a good situation. I think uh, it's very important that the coca leaf uh, uh, can be uh, can may remain at its place at the place it has been uh, getting in these last couple of years, and the drug policy will become 
uh, much more uh, thoughtful of uh, introspectful. So in your opinion, the drug policy has a long way to go before it becomes completely inclusive. What do you think inclusivity means to you specifically? And do you have any examples from your own field of work um, where inclusivity played a big part? Yes, uh, Bolivia has a, a depth with history. Uh, it's not the Bolivian people, it's uh, the, the Spanish conquest, which has left a lot of problems that has, uh, uh, you know, the Bolivian um, um, feeling about their history is they took, they, they have, have robbed us. They took a lot of us and didn't, ne did never give it back. So that's something that the Bolivian people still are struggling with. And I think inclusiveness is very much part of that issue. Um, I, as a foreigner living in Bolivia, uh, felt very often that people saw me that way. You know, you, uh, you are rich because you are a foreigner and you uh, are part of that group that uh, has took something from us, uh, that, that took part of our lives. So if we talk about the new inclusiveness in Bolivia, I think this will be still still be a, a, diff, a difficult and long process. And it has not, um, the steps that have been taken, yes, many people say you, it's not possible to uh, turn it back. I think that's right up to a certain extent, but uh, conflicts are complicated, uh, often complicated. And in Bolivia, uh, I think uh, much more has to be done yet uh, in order to um, to reach inclusiveness. So drug policy is one of these issues where this is very clear, because uh, drug poisoners are not often, uh, generally, are not coca growers. Drug poisoners are very often uh, drug consumers, because drug consumption is in large, other, as in other countries of Latin America, are being persecuted <clears throat> because there's no clear uh, waiver for drug uh, consumption as being different uh, as drug uh, trafficking. Uh, another thing is, so, so many people uh, who uh, are drug users, compulsive drug users, they end up in prison. And uh, they are among the most excluded people in the country. Now, uh, going back to the, the coca growing issue, uh, the cocalero movement is not one uh, big movement uh, where uh, uh, without any differences uh, among the sectors. No, there are different groups of cocalero, uh, of coca growers. And during the Morales government, um, a certain part of the Cocalero movement um, has been uh, very much under attack by the government because uh, the government is backed or was backed by a certain part of Cocalero, uh, the Cocalero movement and not by another part. So people were being uh, persecuted, uh, they, got in, they, they got in jailed because they were uh, leaders of social movements. 
and people were killed, but they were, I already told this earlier, this was ignored. So um, I think drug policy as such uh, stimulates this kind of um, uh, repression against uh, certain groups of people. And we saw this during the Morales government. Supposedly, there was a big change. Supposedly, Morales was in favoring uh, coca growing, but on the ground, uh, it's not what we saw. You know, it's, uh, I think the whole inclusive issue, uh, inclusiveness issue uh, around the coca leaf uh, was some sort of uh, picture to show the world, but within the country, it was not happening. So I worked with uh, parts of this Cocalero movement uh, who were being persecuted because of the drug policy, not because of the Morales government, because of international drug policy. And as those things don't change, uh, drug policy is the same for decades. Drug trafficking is also continuing for, for decades without any major change. You know, there's a lot of change, there's much more violence now. And I think this is very much related to uh, drug policy that has not been changed adequately. So the real change is in changing drug policy um, for a better inclusiveness towards drug prisoners, towards uh, other uh, groups of society who are being affected by, um, by these policies. So if I understand it correctly, an inclusive drug policy in Bolivia is not a uh, policy that tries to include everyone into one policy, but rather a policy that understands everyone's voices um, individually. Is that right? Yes, and if you um, apply this to co the coca leaf and to coca growing, then you see um, how coca is very much related to local development. And people who grow coca, they grow coca because they do so for uh, centuries, their, their, uh, their families, but also because uh, it's a part of their uh, economy. And if you start interrupting or disrupting uh, this economy, they will try to find other ways to stay alive. So it's not necessarily the best way uh, to change things. Um, so and it's, uh, there's always been a call from the Andean countries that uh, coca and the whole issues around uh, cultivating coca uh, should be linked to uh, agricultural policy um, and developmental policy. Uh, but it has not happened. You know, in, in practice, uh, coca, the coca leaf has become connected to drug policy. And drug policy is one size fits all. Uh, at this moment, it's not, uh, you know, there is debate, but if you see Latin America, it's very much uh, under the influence of the US uh, drug policy, uh, becoming uh, again, each time more one size fits all. And I think, uh, this will not lead to any solution, not of the drug policy, not of development questions, not of drug consumption. Um, so I 
found this myself um, <clears throat> working with a certain group of cocalero, uh, coca growers, uh, who were persecuted uh, during the Morales government and their voice was not being heard very much. Uh, at the beginning, uh, even the local press didn't talk about him, didn't write about him. And in the end, they were able to uh, get hurt, but it was very difficult for them to, because they were not a very large group. They had the most ancient production of coca. Uh, they, they had uh, coca crops uh, who had been there for uh, over a thousand years. And the Bolivian police force came in and eradicated their coca, which was like a patrimonial uh, uh, It had a very big value for them, not only for them, for Bolivia. So this happens, why? Because the, the pressure of international um, agencies and policy on Bolivia never stopped. And Morales gave in to these pressures. The, the Morales government was not very different in, uh, in designing drug policy than earlier governments. You know, there were certain differences which made the violence less, but uh, in the end it was the same drug policy as, uh, as, his, uh, earlier, as the earlier governments had applied. So in your opinion, how do we go beyond only formally including inclusivity in the drug policy? How do we go beyond tokenism? Yes, for example, this group of coca growers uh, who had not been hurt, um, well, they managed to, uh, through protests, uh, non-violent protests, they happened to become hurt by some governmental officials and uh, as the party, Evo Morales' party, wanted to block their voice, they found ways to get their voice heard uh, in other countries. They went to uh, some fora, uh, international symp symposia, which I think is a, is a very good way. Um, I have another, a similar example of uh, a drug consumer who we have been uh, helping to get out of prison, which uh, fortunately was successful, uh, in order to start his uh, rehabilitation. Because in prison they cannot start a rehab program because uh, drug consumption in prison is very tough. Uh, and, and it's very difficult to change for people, for drug prisoners. So uh, this young man, he... Uh, is now in a rehab center. And I think his experience is so valuable. It's so important that his voice will become heard at international symposia meetings. So these are the kind of people I think can tell uh, a story and not only their story, they know exactly how um, at the local uh, at, at, how the, at grassroots level, uh, the drug trade uh, works, how uh, consumption should be tackled, drug consumption uh, should be tackled. And it's not these people who are hurt very often, you know. Uh, at symposia, it's the experts like me 
who, who are being invited to talk. And I think uh, we should really um, try to find uh, a, a better place for these voices to become heard by, by the policy, by policy makers. Uh, thank you, Theo. That was really interesting. Thank you for your insights on the drug policy in Bolivia and the political movements and the recent protests that have been happening there. Thanks for listening to today's episode of The Peace Corner. Interested in hearing more from us? Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud or wherever you might be listening.